Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Sitcom Club. Joining myself, Mooncat, this week is your old pal Ocho. Hello. Now, Ocho, what are we talking about today? Today we're going to be talking about endings. Now, you don't mean endings as in the end to every sitcom episode ever made, do you? No, we're going to talk about the different types of ending. We touched on this when we did our What Happened Next cast last year. And it's just been, I've been watching A Fine Romance, and at the time of recording, I haven't watched the last episode yet. Just watched the penultimate episode. I'm thinking, okay, I get the feeling that this is going to have a last episode, an actual ending. Fine Romance is Bob Larby by himself. I have had bad experiences with Esmond and Larby, two particular sitcoms. Which end in such a way as, okay, that's the end of series two. Come back for series three, and series three doesn't <laughs> happen. Yeah, we'll talk about them later on. None of which is ever decreasing circles. Now, we're going to try and avoid being spoilerific. I think it's going to be difficult. One. It is so, going to be difficult, though, isn't it? To, well, to... we don't really have to go into specifics as to how the show ends. However, if you're somebody who doesn't even want to know the manner of the ending, this is not going to be for you. If you want to have that thrill of not knowing if a show's going to end on a cliffhanger, end on a proper ending, or some other type of ending. I've managed to get four main headings in a sort of fifth little vestigial subheading. I had 28 from here, but I don't oh, think we'll, we'll have time to get to them all. Bit review. <laughs> now, let, let's just be clear about what we're talking about, because we're talking about endings of sitcoms as in their final episode of final series. However, I've got a couple of wrenches that I'm going to throw in to the mix later on. Well, my vestigial subheading is a wrench. Well, hold that thought, which will, because also joining us this week from the very fine blog Sitcom Lovers Corner is G Baker. Hello. How you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm no bad. I'm no bad at all. What the so hell? my list of ending types, there is the ending, the proper ending. The situation is broken or changed significantly, maybe not changed irreparably. But there's definitely something that says, this is the last episode, it is going to end satisfyingly. Then there is what I'd call the acknowledged ending. Nothing's broken beyond repair, and to be honest, nothing is really significantly changed. There might be a little change at the end to sort of wink to the audience that, ah, things are moving on. But really all it is is, yes, this is the last episode, we know it's the last episode, but it would not be impossible to follow on from this point. An example of that would be Dad's Army. There is a little change to somebody's life, but in general, it's just a matter of that little toast at the end, saying, yes, we do know that this is the last episode. Goodbye. And then there's the unacknowledged ending, which is just the last episode. Continuity announcer goes, and that's the last in the present series, and they don't say whether it's coming back or not. Then there is the hanging ending. Ah, the most frustrating ending of all. There's a cliffhanger. <laughs> Guess we could break that down into deliberate cliffhangers and, oh God, we didn't get recommissioned cliffhangers. <laughs> okay, well, let's go through these one by one. So, first of all, the definitive ending. Now, you actually suggested one to me earlier on before we began, and gee, I presume that you would concur with this, because it doesn't really leave a lot of scope, if any, at all. Good night, sweetheart. Yes. Now, I've spoken before about how I was never really entirely satisfied with the ending to that show, but that's a different matter. Whether I'm satisfied with it or not is a different thing. That The point is that it does have a conclusion, and 
there it's left. You can still speculate about what Gary, and for that matter, Yvonne, will be doing in the future and how things are going to go for them. But as far as it being a conclusion to the story, it is a definitive full stop. Absolutely. Ocho, in half hot mum. Well, it's a very David Croft thing, isn't it? To have a last episode that is a last episode. Now, hang on a minute. Didn't In Half Hot Mum have two last episodes? Well, the last episode of In Half Hot Mum that I'm aware of is when they are simply demobbed. And yes, that's, that's definitely the last episode. Wasn't there a bit earlier in the series where it's like, oh, we're being moved on to somewhere else? Well, they did that a couple of times. I mean, they did change location. And after, for example, Michael Bates passed away, they changed location and they had characters leave, like George Layton left after a couple of series and so on. So they did have a gradual evolution. And obviously the situation itself wound down because it got to 1945. So it was clearly intended that it was going to run its course anyway. The reason that one sticks in my mind is that you saw the characters in a completely different manner. So it wasn't just that you had a nice, cosy conclusion to the show, but here they were. Suddenly Windsor Davis can't shout orders at them anymore. And they're civilians again. And I guess you could say that there might have been scope for a sort of a going straight for Eight and a Half Hot Mum. You know, what did they do next and so on? And Dino Shafiq even, there's a nod to that in his last little monologue at the end of the last episode. That one sticks in my mind because it is not just a full stop, but it also goes above and beyond. It's not just a conclusion at the end of a film. You know, here's the high point, and we're going to go out, the winding down, and having a drink in the pub, and then everybody just slowly dispersing and so on. There's not too many shows that I can think of that have got such a punchy full stop as that, but what other ones am I overlooking? Well, doesn't The Good Life have a weird situation where... It has a downer ending and then comes back. It is. It's kind of heartbreaking and bittersweet, but then they're like, oh yeah, we'll carry on and everything will be back to normal. But for borderline endings, staying with David Croft, are you being served? Yes, I actually had that is on my notes. It's really arguable. Given the nature of are you being served, they could have come back and said, oh yes, that was just a, a load of nonsense. But it does almost leave us with this idea that, yeah, this is their career now. I've heard conflicting suggestions about this. I'm not entirely sure who I should be attributing this quotation to. It may have been Molly Sugden, it might have been Wendy Richard, but I'm sure I saw a quote in one of the two books about Are You Being Served that basically implied that they were never told as such that this was going to be the end, definitively, but they had a sort of sneaky suspicion that it was the end. That said, I've heard continuity from BBC One advertising the beginning of that series in 1985 as the final series of I Being Served. So whether or not it had been announced to the crew when they were making it in 84, then it certainly was advertised as such. I said we're going to try and avoid spoilers, but let's talk about what happens in the last episode. They all become pop stars. (laughs) (laughs) It's on the borderline between three different types of ending. On the one hand, you could say, yeah, it's a proper ending. That's it. They're no longer at Grace Brothers. Actually, is that acknowledged in grace and favor at all it's never really acknowledged that they leave grace brothers to become pop stars the implication is that if mr spooner's pop career takes off they could all be sort of on the road with him but they don't actually go in hand in the notice or anything like that so yeah so on the other hand it could be an acknowledged ending let's go on a song or it could be an unacknowledged ending no that was just a punchline but um tish right let's get back to work now you brought this up anyway you just mentioned it so Are you ready for one of my incoming wrenches? Yeah, bring it on. 
Right, where do we stand on the issue of revivals? Now, I'm being very, very specific about what I mean by revivals because I've got a similar wrench to throw in later on. But when it comes to revivals, I'm talking about exactly as you just said, grace and favour, talking about the Liverbirds or the legacy of Reginald Perrin or Doctor at the Top or whatever it may be. So if you've got a situation where you have got a definitive ending, and actually we need to think about this and actually think, is there any instance of there being an absolute solid as a rock definitive ending to a show and then like 20 years later the bloody thing comes back? Where does the revival fit in? This is my vestigial subheading, the undone ending. You had a good example of this. Although it's not the a 20 year gap. Yes. <laughs> That's it. They're finally married. Bye, everybody. Actually, the viewing figures weren't half bad for that. Let's just keep going with them. Let's just watch how their marriage develops. <laughs> I guess that's why you don't get a further chapter to a book. You, I mean, I'm not a big fiction reader, but I presume when you get to the end of a Stephen King novel, he hasn't bolted on an extra chapter just to make the numbers of the pages. Oh no, there have been times when I've seen movies or TV shows with perfect endings that come half an hour from the end <laughs> of the actual production. Are you going to include Only Fools and Horses? Because obviously they became millionaires. Oh yes, that, that is a good one. Break. Yes, that, that is a perfect example. Yeah, that's a proper ending undone and then another proper ending is bolted on it's not right and proper of me to challenge his version of events especially as he's no longer around to say so but i always suspected when john sullivan said in particularly when he was doing interviews around about sort of 2002 2003 so when the, like the revived only fools and horses was actually on he was always saying always always the intention that it could come back because there's this clue that we've left in the last episode in 96 where he talks about investing in the futures market and I had this idea that the futures market was going to crash eventually, like the dot-com bust of 2000. And I'm thinking, okay, well, yeah, I can sort of go along with that a bit. But that ending, I mean, when they're walking off into the sunset and like the horizon just becomes like an animation and so on, how could you possibly imagine that that was going to come back after that? That is an ending, isn't it? The children in need thing makes it worse. Proper ending, undone, another proper ending, and it's been undone again. <laughs> I thought, if you want to bring it back after having them walk off into the sunset and having them be millionaires and we're all really pleased, you start it with Del Boy down the market, flogging some stuff. You start it like the last episode didn't even happen. And then you have Rodney come up and say, what's going on? He said, I just miss it. And we find out Del is still in a big house. He is still a millionaire, but there's just something missing in his life. And then you, you can take your story from there. Having them lose everything just felt like a kick in the teeth. Yeah. I suppose it is clever in a way, the way that first episode in 2001 opens, because for the first few minutes, you are sort of thinking, well, maybe that's what's going to occur here. Maybe they haven't actually pissed it all away. And we're going to see them trying to make their way in the, the world of high finance or whatever. But of course, yeah, within 10 minutes. There you are. Before we get onto the next subheading, let's put our own opinions into the mix for just one moment. Are there any examples of sitcom endings that you either really liked or didn't like, regardless of what heading they come under? I really like the Goodnight Sweetheart one. Obviously, we're not giving spoilers, but there is a reason why I like that one. Oh, I did like the Good Life one in a way, but it just always upsets me. It's just so sad, but I think the way that that was done was just brilliant and I don't think there would be any other way to finish it but then I guess you could say that that one came back because obviously there was the, the special they did for the Queen 
they've obviously bounced back and everything. So I guess that's put a dampener on that one. I just had a thought, actually. Ocho, this is an idea that I hadn't even had on my list here that we can introduce now as a factor. One particular show from Yorkshire Television in the mid-1980s, which we've seen the final episode of, the final extended episode, and I think it's fair to say that doesn't really have a, like an absolute definitive full-stop ending. But then oh. they brought it back <laughs> on the stage in 2014. So, gee, how did they bring back Duty Free and how did it affect the ending from 28 years earlier? It started off with Carlos the Waiter, and it was focusing on him and how he basically lived his whole life there for a bit. But then it was a reunion with Linda and, oh my God, what's his name? Yeah, David, that's it. So they planned a secret meeting back at the hotel and they were just going to rekindle what romance was meant to be there. About 10 minutes into that, it's not going so well and there's a newly married couple and they think that they're married and they're talking to them. But then obviously Amy comes into the scene and, it all kicks off. Okay, so Ultra, is it? I'm, to say I'm that... perfectly willing to have this completely spoiled because I don't think this is going to reach Orange County. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's going to be a DVD. I would love for them to make a movie. <laughs> okay, so you don't have to give us any precise details, G. But it does no, the, I want precise details. Oh, okay, right. If you don't want to know precise details about how Juicy Free 2014, the next generation, ends, then skip forward 60 seconds now. Okay then, G, so how does the play end? It ends with a massive showdown between the two couples and the couple that are on honeymoon because there's the running confusion over Linda and David being married and she thinks that Amy's obviously the other woman and the couple take an instant dislike to her and there's this massive argument and it all comes to a head with cream cakes again and the David character being pushed into the sea and it's just messy. But Amy and David rekindle their marriage, I guess, and they sort of go off into the sunset. Amy's still feisty and everything and she's not going to let it completely lie. And that's how it ends. Okay. Okay, now- there's one question I have about original Duty Free and I, I'd like to know if this is answered in all new Duty Free. Did David and Linda ever actually consummate <laughs> no. their relationship? Okay. No. Stop laughing, Mooncat. I've only asked about one other thing. Was, he sneaked up into her room and then he fell off the banister of the terrace. Because I'd call original Flavor Duty Free as an acknowledged ending. That last shot of the Christmas special is his frustration. But because it's so long and it's on film, it's it's just got an extra bang crash about it. I did at one point, when I was watching the Christmas special, wonder if it was going to end with Robert and Amy running away together. <laughs> it was almost hinted in the play that there was a bit of an implication in the play, but nothing ever came of it, because they didn't really see each other until pretty much the end, and they were like, oh, so how are you then? And there was sort of a little twinkle in each other's eye, but it didn't get very far again, like David and Linda. A couple of things spring to mind. One, Ocho, I don't think that it helped that we watched that Christmas special on the 4th of January. It doesn't matter. It's not just me. Everybody likes to get out their Christmas stuff not at Christmas. No, 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 but I mean, I've just watched this evening, I've just watched Steptoe and Son Christmas 74. Now, that's in July, whereas if you're watching a Christmas special like the Monday morning when you've got to go back to work, the whole sort of Christmas spirit, it's all long gone. I mean, you've even tried to extend it up until like sort of New Year's Day and what have you. It's not still there on the 4th of January. Christmas doesn't end till January 6th. 
Oh, you're not doing this whole 12 Days of Christmas lock, are you? Why the hell not? Christmas doesn't last long enough. The Christmas... I the- think there should be special Twelfth Night television idents and super spectaculars. Dates of Christmas change every year according to the Christmas Radio Times. Whatever 14 days are in the Christmas Radio Times, that is Christmas. The definitive one, in my opinion, is the 19th through to the 1st. I think that's absolutely perfect. You know, you just got everything nice and neat in there. There you go. Although, actually, up here, it needs to be the 20th to the 2nd, because the 2nd is a bank holiday. The other thing I was going to say, Ocho, is when you were asking the question, did David and Linda ever consummate the relationship, I was thinking, what on the stage? <laughs> I was thinking, how how did this scene unfold? And was it this scene that actually led to the abrupt cancellation of the tour when the well, local councils got wind how... of, of this explicit scene? Was there a reason why they abruptly ended the tour? It just wasn't selling. In a situation like that, I think if we learned anything from the debacle of New Coke is blame marketing before you blame the product. I think just not enough of the right people knew about it. It's such a shame, because when I went to see it, it, I went to the matinee, so you never really expect the matinee to be full, but it was. It was full house, and there was loads of different age groups get there, which I was quite surprised at, because I was going expecting to be one of the youngest there. Yeah, it's been on ITV3, though, hasn't it? It has, yeah, quite, quite often, yeah. Cable's changing the landscape, I think, with the way people relate to old TV shows. They're not necessarily something, well, a a few years ago, (laughs) probably the only time this has happened. I think it was a girl's ninth or tenth or eleventh birthday. I bought her a DVD of Dick Turpin, and she was pleased to receive it. (laughs) Because, as far as she was concerned, Man About the House might as well have been a new show, because it was on paramount comedy channel all the time and she developed a bit of a crush on richard o'sullivan well that's what one of the i think is it tv land that's their slogan if you've not seen it it's new to you now Osha, we've covered two of the subheadings so far so what else have you got you said you had well, let's about not be five too or six. strict about this because i think we're going to start sloshing back and forth between different types of ending as they occur to us that's very unlike us we're usually very structured on the show but I'm going to say, a lot of the time, revivals come back after what I call unacknowledged endings. Still open all hours. But the last episode of Open All Hours is not the last episode of Open All Hours. And to be honest, there's no point doing a list of unacknowledged endings, because that's the vast majority of everything. Point unless four. unless there's no place like home really does have a bank crash ending. I doubt it. <laughs> okay, point of order. Unacknowledged endings. If a show gets pulled halfway through its run and so never plays out fully on the screen, then when do we take the ending to be? On the last episode that was shown or the last episode that was made and is never going to be shown, presumably? I've got a good one there, but it's American. Do you have an example? Are you saying what I think you're saying? That there is an example of a show with a a definitive or indeed acknowledged ending that never went out? I have to be honest, I think I might have sort of gone down a cul-de-sac here. Because right, well, the, there's, a the idea, door. The idea there's a little door at the end of the cul-de-sac. Okay, right. Okay. But it's an American door. That's fine. There's a show called Encore Encore, starring Nathan Lane. And the idea was, he was an opera singer who'd injured his vocal cords. So he'd had to move back home to his mother's vineyard. And the whole thing was, he's, he's gone from being a, a world star... They say, oh, he was the fourth tenor, and now he's living quite comfortably, but he's not jet-setting around the world anymore. 
And it's all about how he's driving his mother mad, he's driving his sister mad, and his nephew, and he's pompous, fish out of water. And it was a bomb. I liked it, but the thing just died really badly. I mean, jokes were being made about it. I remember Nathan Lane appearing on David Letterman and saying something about how he'd been kidnapped and forced to sign a thing saying he wouldn't make any more sitcoms. So in the States, I don't know... I think they made 13, and I think in the States they showed 10, and that was it. And it turned up on Paramount Comedy Channel. I think it may have even turned up after it stopped in the US. On Paramount Comedy Channel, they showed all 13. I think there were a few shows on there that's just like sitcoms that had died, and you could buy all of them quite cheaply. And the last episode is a borderline proper and acknowledged ending. It ends with him on stage... In an empty theatre. I can't remember the exact circumstances. And he sings a little bit of Come to the Cabaret. And on the one hand, it's it really is just an acknowledged ending because he's not been kicked out of the vineyard. But there is this sense that he's come to terms with his situation. He's come to terms with the loss of his voice. But that's an acknowledged ending that never went out in its original form. Let me check. Have you watched all seven episodes of The Whackers? Yes. So how does that end? I didn't say I remembered it. <laughs> I just said I'd watched it. Because there were seven episodes, but only six were transmitted. I, I can't, actually, I have not yet seen episode seven, so I don't know. Ideally, it would have ended with them getting an inside lavatory installed. <laughs> Do you want to have another look at one of your subheadings, or are you ready for another wrench to be thrown in? Oh, throwing a wrench, yeah. Okay, right. Where do we stand on the subject of films? Well, I think on Map of the Universe, we said that arguably films are different continuities from TV shows, except when they're not. (laughs) Dad's Army the film does not fit with Dad's Army the TV series. But Dad's Army the film was made whilst the series was still in production, as a lot of these instances are. But I'm thinking of one example I gave you earlier one was The Likely Lads, which is unusual in as much as it does not go back to year dot it just picks up from really when the tv series left off and continues it weirdly works as an acknowledged ending there is something about the ending of that film that mirrors the ending of the 1966 likely lads so i'm gonna say yes you could call that the ending that's fine okay i'm trying to think of any other examples of films that have come after the where does father dear father come isn't that 71? That's when we're going to have to say separate continuity, yeah? Yeah. And plus, of course... Oh, I, and, and hang on a second. No, let's let's hold that far by the films. Let's keep that there. But also, Australia. That's what I mean. That's like an undone ending. Now, this always annoyed me when it came to Doctor at the Top. I mean, there's a lot of things that annoy me about Doctor at the Top, but one of them is that it just completely ignores Doctor Down Under. And I really like that show. But it completely ignores it because in terms of where they are with their careers and what they've been doing and like the age of their families and so on, Australia just doesn't fit in at all. You could probably draw a straight line from Doctor on the Go in 75 to Doctor at the Top in 91, but you've got to miss out Australia. And as far as I'm concerned, that's just not an option. I've said a bit, and, and there you are. <laughs> but okay, so there might be a couple of Australian instances, because Father Dear Father is in Australia, but that doesn't really complicate anything in terms of what's happened already in Britain. Yeah, if you had a brand new Father Dear Father in the UK, 
unless you ever have a moment where he says, I have never been to Australia in my life, it wouldn't yeah. really count as, as undoing things. <laughs> well, now we're getting into the area of retcon, aren't we? Oh, well. So we've got, that's, that's liver birds. Oh, yes, does original, of course. Does original liver birds have a, a last episode? Let's have a look. Hang on a second. Whilst I check this on Chocoblock computer, G, are you familiar with any instances of, be it, for example, things like films or like an Australian spin-off or anything like that, which then partially undoes an ending? Oh, not off the top of my head. We have previously speculated about Porridge the movie and yeah. whether, that's, whether that could have had just like a 10-second piece of dialogue between Fletcher and Gobber saying, oh, I never thought we'd be back in here again. <laughs> and you just completely... Because that's it. Going straight, that's got a definitive ending, hasn't it? Yes and no. Well, Ronnie Barker said that he agreed to do one series of Going Straight. So if that was his intention going in, then I guess you have to sort of see it as a definitive ending because there isn't... I'd argue argue Going Straight as an acknowledged ending. You wouldn't really need a lot of heavy lifting for there to be a second series. I think all you'd really need is for... Lenny and Ingrid to be somehow still living with Fletch until they could get a place of their own. But this is a, now porridge, original flavour porridge. Is that a definitive ending or a, an acknowledged ending? That's an acknowledged ending. Because a be- big chunk of the format has left. There's only one person left, hasn't there, at the end of porridge? I get the last scene of porridge confused with the first scene of going straight. Going straight, yeah. No, um, it's only Godber who's actually gone out at the end of porridge. And earlier we've had Blanco go out in the series, but otherwise the team's so, still there. you could argue on the one hand, well, no Godper, no Porridge. On the other hand, you could say, well, it wouldn't take a massive amount of work to keep the idea going. So that's a borderline case. That's the thing that fascinates me, the little weird in-betweeny bits. Gee, can you think of any examples where you've seen an ending? I, mean, I don't want to get into fan fiction here, but why the hell not? <laughs> but have you seen any particular endings of shows where you thought, with just a little few sort of tweaks or something like that, I think, you know, that should have had like a definitive ending or an acknowledged ending. I think most shows really that end with just an episode should really have some sort of acknowledgement to an ending. What was the last final episode of a sitcom that you saw? The last sitcom that I saw? Yeah, the last final episode of a sitcom that you would have seen. I've just actually watched Lauren Disorder with Penelope Keith and that just ends, I think they might have been planning a second series, they might not have, and there's no ending really at all. I always get a bit disappointed when it's like that. Yeah, I know what you mean. I I think it's something that possibly afflicts ITV sitcoms a bit more. Yeah, that was an ITV sitcom, so yeah. Is there, I mean, I haven't seen that particular series, so is is there any way that that final episode, say that somebody had whispered into the producer's ear like say the day before they were going to record and say actually just so you know the show's been canned so there aren't going to be any more of these is there any scope for minimal rewriting of that last episode that actually could have put a full stop or would that have felt really clunky and out of place no i think i think there was scope for it yeah i think there could have been i don't want us to turn it into whatever happened next too although i'd love to do that show because i really enjoyed that show and so oh come on let's do it now we haven't been we haven't been going long I'm conscious of the fact that you've got other headings on there that you haven't actually mentioned yet. So do you want do you want to mention the other headings just now so they're, they're out, out into the... Well, open. hanging endings. Oh, God. Mulberry. Mulberry. <laughs> Which ends with 
come back for series three and this will end as we have said it will end because we all know what the last episode is and it didn't get commissioned and the other one by Esmond and Larby which practically ends halfway through a line it really ends abruptly we haven't done it yet so I'm not going to say but it ends with everything the other one's a very strange show because there's three distinct phases, but the second distinct phase begins towards the end of the first series. It's not like series one is a phase and series two is a phase. There's sort of like four or five episodes of phase one and then like eight or nine phase two episodes. It ends with, okay, get ready for phase three. And the, the credits kick in a really bizarre moment, just on a reaction shot of a character we've only seen in this episode, it really is just like Esmond and Larby have just like pulled the script from the typewriter, handed it off, and said, That's going to be fantastic next time. Got some great ideas I want to go with, and then the commission never comes. So, what were the other subheadings that you had? So you got hanging ending. And as previously mentioned, the undone ending. So, proper ending, acknowledged ending, unacknowledged ending, hanging ending, and undone ending, which is kind of a subheading. I mean, if you want a weird one, there's the definitive but won't stick kind of ending. Like, how many times were the goodies killed? <laughs> Which you could also argue happens in Blackadder. The dead cast do not come back. Everybody being killed is no barrier to a further series of this. That's true. Yes. Yeah, that's true. And I guess that's an established part of the universe in which they're in. That that kind of thing is just allowed to happen. What about this for a definitive ending? Heidi High. Oh. God, talk about your downers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but hang on a minute. Wait a minute. That's a David Croft trait, and yet, look at the ending of Come Back to Mrs. Noah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that is quite the hangingest of hanging endings. Just in case anybody hasn't heard our... Because we have got an entire podcast about Come Back to Mrs. Noah. But just in case anybody hasn't heard that, what gave it a special atmosphere was that... At the end of the last... I'm going to spoil it for you. If you don't want to hear, fast forward 30 seconds. Okay, so Mrs. Noah, Molly Sugden, she's won some competition and her prize is she gets this tour of the space station, which is about to have this launch of this shuttle. And she's on the space shuttle and accidentally gets launched early. And so she's up there in space with the crew. That's the plot. And inverted commas. The next few weeks is basically how they get Mrs. Noah back home. Now, at the end of the last episode, they attempt whatever window of opportunity they've got, and it doesn't work, and so it's sort of left sort of hanging. They're still there. <laughs> They're still there in space. But what gave it a sort of a, an added touch was that the version that we were watching, these were recordings from PBS in America, and for whatever reason, at the end of that last episode, the recording just ended Right, I mean, you had all the lines, but you had no end credits. And I thought, what's a fantastic way to end the show? Just like, how punchy is that? They didn't even say copyright BBC, just in there, there you go. And here's Tom and Jerry. Okay, now, I know, here's, here's an idea. Right, shows that are on now, are you, are you a fan of the soaps? I am, yes. Okay, <laughs> any particular soap you're a fan of? Coronation Street? Right, here's a challenge for you, okay? Okay. And you will have to also explain who's who in this as well, right? Communique comes down from ITV headquarters to say, yeah, the viewing figures have not been great the last couple of years, so we've decided that Friday's episode of Coronation Street is actually going to be the last one. 
let's say they're going to be generous and they're going to give you three 30-minute final episodes and you've got to wrap everything up. What do you do with the current set of circumstances? Well, my dad's forever joking that a tram's going to come off again and kill everyone for good this time or they're all going to be abducted by aliens. Well, that's what so... they did. They did both of those in Dynasty. That, <laughs> no, seriously, that is how they finished off Dynasty. Everybody was, was done away with in the last episode. Yeah, but not by a tram. That was their big mistake. Well, no, yeah. No, it no tram, been, no deal. It should have been like just a bloody big meteor or something like that. But then that would presumably have taken out everybody in every other soap and, and, and every other program of a narrative as well. Everyone's in the rovers after the news has been broken and then like the rovers could collapse on everyone and kill them all. <laughs> well, they're, they're all in there at once. Everybody yeah. in the street. Well, they're usually always there, aren't they? That's true. Whenever a big event's happening, every person's there, so that could work. I've got an idea. So they're in the bar of the rovers. We've got to end it with Ken. Because, yeah, because first mer- episode, last episode. So he walks into the rovers with, is he still married to Deirdre? How many times? Yeah. How many times has he divorced and remarried? I haven't watched it for a couple of years. I'm assuming he's divorced and remarried Deirdre 17 times since yeah, probably about 2012. That. So walks into the rovers and, uh, oh, I'll have a half of mild, please. And Deirdre, and she, oh, have me. Oh, you know what? Actually, no, I feel like a treat. I think I'll have a Malibu. And Ken looks at the bottle. He's sort of staring and you hear this whoosh, whoosh of the sea. And he's looking at the palm tree on the bottle. And we sort of crossfade and it's a real palm tree. And we're in this beautiful beach house. And Ken's sitting there in a big armchair. And, and a tanned young woman comes in and goes, Ken, is everything okay? And he said, ah, I was just thinking what it would have been like if I never left the street I was born in. <laughs> but of course, I was an ambitious young man. <laughs> and I left on December the 5th, 1960. I think I think the first episode went out December the 6th. <laughs> and we find out it was just an afternoon speculation because obviously a university-educated, clever young man like Ken's not going to end his days in Coronation <laughs> Street. So that was a hell of a, a piece of speculation oh, that he yes. managed to come up with. In the space of one afternoon, he's concocted 54 years. Blimey. Well, I was very disappointed Be- that the 50th anniversary Doctor Who did not reveal that actually there hadn't been any Doctor Who and all television since 5.15 on November the 23rd 1963 had actually just been a false ending for a very long episode of the Telly Goons. <laughs> so okay. Hanging endings on sitcoms, that's what we. Do you want an old spanner? Yes, yes, bring it on. Right, okay, now I've got a funny feeling, G, I think we're going to need you to adjudicate on this one. Right, okay. Okay. Because I'm going to argue in favour of it, and I've got a funny feeling that Ocho is going to be very much against it. Picture any sitcom you like, Ocho. You've got a lovely... Any any kind of ending you want. But let's say, for argument's sake, that it is a nice definitive ending and everything's lovely and way hey, and what a, what a great ending that was. And then, say, 23 and a half years later, it comes back for Children in Need. A seven-minute episode introduced by Tell, and he's like, do you remember that show that used to be on, that we all used to watch, and it used to have, like, 38 million viewers and whatever? Do you ever wonder... Hmm, what would have happened to the characters after they left the small screen? Well, now we can find out in this special Children Need edition of Jimmy Perry's Room Service, for example. 
do children in need comic relief telephone if you want to throw that into the mix do versions like that do they fit into the canon hang on a minute i'll get you a definitive answer in a moment right are you arguing the point that i'm arguing in favor of this you're arguing in favor of this yeah okay and you're in favor of children, yeah. okay, call heads. You're not just going to toss or tails. a coin, Heads or you? tails, come on, call it. Oh, no, 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 come no. Come on, I've, I've flipped. No. Heads or tails? Heads. Okay, children need specials count. There we go. So you want the proper argument? Well, because I'm... Well, it's not, it's not, it's not, I, I don't want a proper argument, but if your opinion is the same as mine, that's great. But we've got to actually flesh this out and say why we think that these things are going to count. And the reason that I'm going to put forward as to why they count is as long as it is something which has been either written by the original author of the piece, or if it's with their blessing, then I think it should count as part of the canon. So that's why, for example, I wouldn't include fan fiction on the internet, because that would be absurd. If Carla Lane has written an episode of Butterflies for Children in Need, then presumably she's given it some thought, and she's then worked out where the characters have gone from the last time we saw them. The argument against that is, was it comic relief? Was it sport relief? Only Fools and Horses? You really want the undone, redone episode to be ending to be undone again? That's all I can come up with as a counter-argument. <laughs> I didn't actually think that that episode was that bad. Because I was going to bring up Butterflies when we were talking about Duty Free. Because in that, they actually have that bit where Leonard says to Rhea, we never did get to bed, did we? And I can't remember what Rhea's reaction was. Well, Rhea's reaction was, no time like the present, and then the Benny Hill music No, I would have liked it if Rhea's reaction had been, you know, I don't know. And then for them to sort of look into the camera quizzically, sort of cock their heads to one side like (laughs) Scooby-Doo. And then maybe a big, like, question mark to zoom up and fill the screen. (laughs) What, is this going to be like a public vote? <laughs> yes. And 10 pence from each call goes to children need anyway, so it's all in good cause. No, so Rhea and Leonard then start to tear off their clothes, run into the bushes, and find Howard and Marina. <laughs> <laughs> I have never seen this young lady before in my life. <laughs> what we really need help is we really need help for people out there to tell us about the great definitive endings, acknowledged endings, and hanging endings. Not interested in unacknowledged endings. There's a few more that have sprung to mind as we've had this discussion. Obviously, there's the Allo Allo final episode where it skips to the future and you see them all like really old and they return to the cafe. So that's the definitive thing because you know what's happened since the war's obviously finished. Now, there's the weird one. Another undone ending because that's reminiscent of the British Empire, which had... An episode that would have worked perfectly as a last episode. In fact, I wouldn't mind snipping off the last few minutes. Then an episode that was actually intended to be the last episode, which was a flashback. And then another couple of series. So we had an acknowledged ending, followed by a definitive ending, followed by another couple of series, ending with another definitive ending. i got a nosebleed now. (laughs) (laughs) Did you have any other ones in mind there, G? Um, well, you just said about dying characters. Um, obviously, Victor Meldrew and One Foot in the Grave, that's very definitive. And the only cliffhanger one that I can really think of is the Who Shot Barbara storyline and obviously Barbara. And that's obviously told what happened because obviously it starts with her in a hospital bed after she's been shot. And then it's told 
the whole episode of why she's there is told in a flashback and then it ends and you have no idea like what's happened to Barbara because she's still in this coma or who shot her. So yeah, that one's annoying. I was not aware of this. That that sounds quite a sombre. It's just a bit pointless, really. I was not aware there was any such episode I've never of watched Barbara. Barbara. So that goes on the I list. I quite like it. It was one of those ones that was on ITV when I was growing up and you think, oh yeah, this was really funny. And I got the box set and I still really enjoyed it, but it wasn't as good as I remembered it I to be. I don't know why, but that suddenly makes me think of Roseanne, which has the bizarre retcon ending. Oh, by the way, the last series didn't happen. Yeah, that was not good. I'm trying to think when Roseanne actually should have ended. Maybe Heidi High should have done that. Heidi High should have ended when Simon Cadell left. I think many people would have wanted that and would argue that that's what should have happened. Could there have been a definitive ending or even a simply acknowledged ending to Faulty Towers? Basil snaps. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Sybil could just one day decide that enough's enough and she's fed up with everything and wants to go and make her own way in the world and leave. <laughs> the last episode, is it not, is Basil the Rat. Could you have it where the inspector comes around and says, well, I was going to keep the hotel open, but there's a rat in front of me just now, so no, forget Shut it. Shut it down. Yeah, yeah. And, and there you are. It would perhaps be ending on a sort of a sombre note, but yeah, it would still be an ending. I'm trying to think now of shows which you think there's a, like a particular episode somewhere in the series at any point where you think it could have ended there. That would have been absolutely perfect. It doesn't even have to be the last episode of a particular series. It could just I'm be... I'm thinking some others do have them with that one. Because, obviously, Series 3, some relative of Frank's that's living in Australia, it might be his grandfather, I think it is, he's coming from Australia and he's trying to persuade Frank and Betty to go to Australia with him and help him on his farm. They go to the Australian embassy to try and get a visa to go over there. And it's a complete disaster. So it could have maybe ended there because the theme's running through all the way through. And, obviously, the last one's where he has his flying lesson for Australia. But the episodes before that, he's kind of denied his visa, so maybe it should have ended there. Ah, the mist ending. Remember that thing we found out about Only Fools and Horses? That there's an episode partway through the run that was supposed to be the last episode and got hastily rewritten because it was supposed to be the last episode and then there was going to be a spin-off. You keep him busy while I look this up. Gee, did we ever come up with a definitive ruling as to whether advertisements fit in the canon? Oh, I don't think we did, did we? I think, yeah. You, you're back on this good life kick, aren't you? <laughs> no, it wasn't just that one. I was actually thinking there is an advert with Frank Spencer that's, yeah, he went out at Christmas 78 and he's he's trying to get petrol with Patricia Hayes. But he's definitely being Frank Spencer. And, and So what does that fit in there? Okay, if we're going to bring adverts into it, Barclays Bank. <laughs> So, Mooncat, if you can just read out the information about Only Fools and Horses, while you do that, G will watch the Barclays Bank Dad's Army advert and see what she thinks in terms <laughs> of what this means for Dad's Army okay. continuity. Right, this is a Wikipedia entry for Only Fools and Horses, last episode of Series 5, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And it says here that this was originally planned to be the final Only Fools and Horses episode, with Del Boyd leaving to go to Australia after David Jason had stated his intention to leave the series to John Sullivan. This would have resulted in a planned spin-off series called Hot Rod. 
with Rodney and Mickey Pierce taking over Trotter's Independent Traders, as well as featuring all the other regular Only Fools and Horses cast members, and an option on Dell returning at later date. However, Jason, worried that the series would fall apart without Dell, ultimately changed his mind and decided to stay on, and John Sullivan had to change the ending so that Dell turns down Jumbo's offer. So Hot Rod, the great unmade sitcom spin-off, it's easy to look back at it and say, oh my god, that would have been bloody awful. But it would be nice to see it. I mean, why ever not? We have had an Only Fools and Horses spin-off in the Green Green Grass subsequently, which I think is sort of actually arguing the earlier point. But So it's not really a proper subheading, the missed ending. I can't imagine Dell in Australia. Sorry, I've returned. <laughs> okay, so what were your thoughts on the all-new Dad's Army? Interesting. I'm not quite sure that Pike could be a bank manager, but... It's quite interesting. Quite so funny. we'll probably put a link on Twitter, but for, for those who, who don't wish to, watch it. Swallow Bank has been taken over by Barclays by the looks of things. George Mannering retires as bank manager and Pike takes over. And this all appears to happen circa 1980. So George Mannering retires around about the age of 100. But we do know that they are unusually long-lived because there were a few public information films about safely crossing the road, which shows the Warmington-on-Sea home guard wandering around what is clearly 1970s High Street Britain. <laughs> and you still got Hodges, most pathetic of all. I mean, maybe you could argue that somehow the army still recognises the right of the Warmington guys to wear their uniforms, but it's 1970-whenever... And Hodges is still wearing his ARP uniform. That's just sad, really. <laughs> Sounds but, like what Hodges would do, though. If he could, he'd probably be in it. I, I sort of, I like the idea, and this is this along the lines of the way that things are portrayed in the Channel 4 Harry Hill series. People just continue to exist in their most famous role. So you don't think anything of it when ARP Hodges just wanders on and warns Harry that there's only 30 seconds until the Badger Parade, because that's just the universe in which they live. I can think of one more weird little twist, but I think we edited it out when this topic came up. The last episode of Sykes. We couldn't be sure, but the story I'd heard was that the reason Sykes ended was Hattie Jake's death. But then you had something in his autobiography that he'd kind of been fired and we couldn't quite get the dates to line up. We had to look at when he started doing things for Thames. But if we accept that at face value, that Sykes was curtailed, the last episode of Sykes is then an unintentional acknowledged ending. And in fact, it doesn't even take place in the universe of Sykes. It takes place in some weird version of things where we're supposedly seeing Eric Sykes, the actor, talking about Sykes, the television series that he's in to, I think, the head of television or the director general. Right, okay. Got, well, I mean, I think intentional that... And, I mean, can, can you have such a thing as an unintentional definitive ending? Something that leaves the whole concept in pieces, apparently, but isn't actually intended to be that way. Do you mean as much as you can look back on something and say, ah, there were sort of clues well, there? Well, just kind of what you, you can watch and it. think, that was a really satisfying ending. I'm, I'm really glad they went out that way. And then you look and it's like, what? There was supposed to be more. Something that looks, to all intents and purposes, to be written to kill off the idea. I suspect there will be examples of it. There's nothing that's springing to mind straight away. Well, this is where we throw it out, because originally this was not an idea for a podcast. This was an idea for a tweet. I just thought there's too much to talk about here. A couple of other things that spring to mind. One, under sad circumstances, the definitive ending, which never was, and that's Father Ted. 
because in the script book it does actually state how Falatead was supposed to end. And then, of course, with the passing of Dermot Morgan before Series 3 went out, they simply replaced the ending of Series 3 with a little montage of scenes from previous episodes. It sort of does end because... Yeah, I wouldn't spoil the ending, but it has a sort of conclusion to the episode. But the original ending was actually going to be a lot sort of neater in terms of how the episode would have ended. It would have sort of gone full circle. Well, I think as, as it ended, um, it w- you would have called it an acknowledged ending. Basically, a slightly more acerbic acknowledged ending being replaced with a more sentimental acknowledged ending. Well, I've got one I'm going to throw in here that doesn't count, but I'm going to mention it because it's one that's previously thrown me a little bit. It's not a sitcom. Mark and Wise Christmas Special of 1977. Whilst they were making this episode, they'd already had the approach from Philip Jones at Thames to defect, which they did the following month, January 78. And there was a sketch in that episode, turns out to be the last show they did for the BBC, and there's a sketch in that episode in which they're packing up everything in the flat. And they're talking about Ernie saying, I've got this new place and it's much better than this one, so on. You know, Eric's not so keen on change and what have you, and he's not entirely comfortable with the idea. But looking back on that, you think, oh, that's got to be like a coded reference. That's what that's to do with. Now, here's the thing about this. That show would have been written by Eddie Braben, and Eddie Braben has subsequently said that he knew nothing about the Switch to Thames and that was actually part of the reason why he didn't go with them to the other side because he heard about it at the same time as everybody else and after the event was then approached and said oh presumably you'd like to come along with us and he said no I wonder if that's an example of Eddie Brayton having written the sketch and then the way that Mark and Wise play it is it's almost as if there is something in their delivery alluding to the fact that they sort of know that this sketch is going to have a special meaning when it's seen retrospectively. Maybe I'm reading too much to it, I'm not sure, but that's the way it sort of comes across. I think that it's a topic which certainly we could come back to at some point, especially if, dear listeners, you can tweet us at the Sitcom Club or email us feedback at sitcomclub.com and let us know any examples of anything that we've talked about, particularly as Ocho says, the hanging ending. And it doesn't have to be even UK sitcoms, we'll extend it to American ones and Australian ones and all sorts in this sentence as well. Gee, thank you very much indeed for your input today. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me back. Nay baller. We'll be back next week. In the meantime, you can check out all the previous episodes of the Sitcom Club by visiting sitcomclub.com. And there's over 50 episodes now in the archive. You can subscribe either via iTunes or by the direct XML feed. If you've got anything for us at all, anything you want to let us know about or anything that you'd like us to discuss on the show, you can tweet us at the Sitcom Club. In the meantime, on behalf of Ocho, this is Hey Ho Moon Cat and Co saying thanks very much indeed for listening to the Sitcom Club. <laughs>